Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we bring you Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological fashion. This week we are starting off with our season two of content. We are done with the one-year war and we have moved ahead a few years to 0083. So we are back on anime content, but we're also covering the manga. So um, today we're going to cover 0083 episodes one and two, and the 0083 Rebellion manga through uh, volume, or chapter 12. Um, volume three. Yeah, roughly volume three. Uh, we have Scotty P. Hello. And Luke. Howdy. All right. So this this is actually, when, when did uh, the manga come out for this? I know it came out over a handful, like several year period, and it came out with like 13, 12 or 13 volumes, but it's like pretty recent, isn't it? 2013, I think, is when it yeah. started. And yeah, the anime it, was like 93? 91. 91. I think, I think, uh, I think Rebellion's still going, actually. I think it, it just finished. Oh, is it? Did yeah, it? it was, I think, sometime last year they finished up with it. Yeah, so. There are 12 or 13 volumes and 13 episodes. Um, but as we'll see as we go through this, the, they don't necessarily match up. And, and we'll kind of uh, try to compare and contrast some of what we see in the manga um, versus the anime, what we like, what we don't like, and um, a handful of that stuff. So let's just jump into it. Um, if, if When we talk about the manga, we're going to talk about the manga first because the manga actually starts um, a little bit – well, the, the manga – begins um in 0079 and so does the anime but um we kind of see uh more background in how zeon and neo zeon zeon and all that stuff starts starts to form so um we see basically very similar intros to like them battling and then gato essentially finding out that um do, uh that dozel has died and um and he goes basically on a rage during the battle of solomon um and it's reported that he destroys eight battleships and we see that this is kind of where he earns his nickname the nightmare of solomon yeah, he um, did it in like a dom right yeah i believe so yeah. mm-hmm. so um later in the anime well not later like in episode one or two um, they reference this a lot in 0083, but we don't actually ever see it in the anime. And this is kind of, to me, this is kind of like a little neat um, addition to kind of flesh out Gato a little bit more and, and see like some of his motivations and skill sets and all that stuff. I'll, I'll make, I wanted to make a note about that specifically, um, not just Gato, but um, Ko as well, because yep. when they start, it starts in the middle of, and, and not to get too far ahead, it starts in the middle of them like training and you get really no background. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a pilot. Sweet. I'm going to pilot some stuff. Um, but this is, like, a whole lot of, like, character building for him. So there's a lot of development of his character and, like, the fact that he's, like, a big nerd at the Academy, which is, like, kind of offhandedly referenced in the anime just once, at yeah. least as far as I've seen. Um, it's kind of offhandedly referenced. And this is, like, it actually shows him being a nerd at the Academy and being just completely obsessed with mobile foods. Yeah, the the for me the way that that they display Cole is a lot different from the anime because the anime like hints that he's smart, but he seems kind of like he lucks into a lot of stuff. Whereas like in the manga, it establishes him as a 
you know, a mobile suit fanatic that, you know, he's smart. He's an engineer. He likes to do research. He knows a lot about the capabilities of, of all of these different mobile suits. Whereas the anime, like they hint at it, but they don't, I, I feel like they don't make him seem as intelligent or well thought out as he is in the manga. You mean not as much like a nerd. nerd. Yeah, pretty much. Um, one thing they do establish though, is uh, Keith is uh, a, a, uh, hound of sorts of women. You know, it's funny because they introduce him like that and then he's immediately overtaken by someone worse. So, <laughs> Overtaken yeah. by somebody worse? Yeah, what is his name, Masha? Oh, Ma- Masha. Yeah, yeah. It, and we'll get into it, but that it's it's interesting how they how they introduce these characters differently in the, in the manga versus the anime. Um, but yeah, Keith is a horned dog that's always trying to get laid. Uh, maybe he, he'll get laid one day. Um, <laughs> got that big woman by the way his name is chuck keith yeah it's a terrible american name look there are some terrible names in this hey two first names who cares i would say pretty much um like a dick allen yep yeah uh we see Mora at one point not to really talk about her too much but her last name is borscht <laughs> awesome names so german food in a while um yeah so keith and cole are still friends at the academy they've got they get along together good keith is trying to you know take Cole out to get some some poontang at the uh cafe and then ko's like nah let's go and work on this old zaku that i found laying around because that's more fun than than chicks I was I was kind of interested in what he was doing there because he was like backing up the data from it. He like hotwired it and then backed the data up from it in order to figure out. He's like, oh yeah, this was definitely in combat. And I don't really know what else he was trying to figure out out of that because it seemed it, to be all he got out of it. It looked like he he and um, Keith kind of like sat at the home and were like messing around with it a little bit and like seeing who could like take more advantage of its abilities or something along those lines. Um, yeah, but, that they like hotwired. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I, I never really got that interpretation. It seemed like uh, Keith just didn't want to be there. Oh, Keith de- definitely was upset about having to leave the the, the chicks to, to go play with a downed Zaku. Um, so we actually get a little bit more right after this. We see um, a little bit of background on Nina Purpleton. Um, Scotty's favorite character from the entire series. Um, Nobody fucking likes Nina. (laughs) Well, and you know, you guys were talking about this before I read the manga and I didn't care for her either. And then I read the manga and I actually liked her. And that was a big point was she sucks in the show and she's not that bad in the manga. You know what it is? She's, she's perfectly acceptable in the show at the starting point. Yeah. Just, whatever it's all the stuff later Uh, maybe the manga can redeem her um or give us an interpretation of her that is not just abrasive and awful she is more tolerable in the the manga in in the anime she's more screechy and whiny and controlling and the the manga so far like it seems to explain like her thought processes a little bit better yeah 
One thing to note, um, I think I read somewhere that the manga is supposed to be a reboot of the show. So would you consider the manga the canonical interpretation of the story? Thunderbolt is the only canon that I know of. It's true. It's true. That's how so, I yeah, I think it's just a difference of, you know, you're talking about things that were created two decades apart. And the the anime is what it is for its time. And I look at this sort of like origin as it's, it is another version of what's ultimately the same story from yeah. the best I can tell and going to the same place. And this seems to uh, give this more of a, like a place within the, that wider universe of what, like the one year war manga that we just looked at, this clearly ties into a good bit of it, which we can kind of talk about as we go along. Um, and we you know we're going to see some other cameos that wouldn't literally would not have been possible in 1991. Yeah. I think, I think the way I see it is, is very similar. I, th- I feel like if they ever decided to remake the anime or something like this, this would be the base of it um, because it's, it's much more modern. It's much more well thought out. It's much more integrated. Um, but I mean, like we've talked about before, like with Hathaway's Flash and a handful of other things, what's canon is basically what's out there right now. So until something comes out that supersedes the content, like it it is what it is, you know? It's funny, as much as I bring it up on this, I actually don't really care about uh, canon so much. As long as I enjoy it and it makes sense, I'm happy. It's when it starts to not make sense that I get frustrated. Yeah, and I think uh, from what I've seen, and again, we'll talk about this more as we go through there, is it seems like they make an effort to stay um, narratively consistent while switching around the details and making the characters a little bit more likable in general and making the actual story flow a little bit better and taking some some of the stuff that's happened over like that the past, you know, 20 years and kind of trying to weave all that stuff in a little bit better. And who knows if another anime in the future will kind of um, weave that in. I I wouldn't be surprised if it does, but at the same time, um, if they're only worrying about like UC 100 plus content, then I doubt we'll see anything about this for 10, 15 years. Yeah. At minimum, I think, the the stuff that I like, we haven't, we kind of glossed over, or I, I don't even know, but there is a lot of content in here that isn't just, you know, you get like a brief skirmish between the fourth team and Gato and, and Sima to introduce all of those characters a lot earlier. And, you know, they're, they're they kind of start all of those characters on the moon at Von Braun at Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And they load the Gundams onto the Albion, and then they go to Torrington, um, which is a kind of a different. You know, the Albion going to Torrington is uh, like that's all stuff that we see, but it's just it's already like in progress and about to happen as we start the show. Whereas here, you get to see um, that journey, or at least the start of it, and and get introduced to characters. And the other thing that I really liked is in the One Year War flashback. This manga gave like one of the things that's always bugged me about these stories is the Xeon remnants that are never ending. They, 
you know, it, it, this is even kind of goes for ecstasy on a little bit. It's a little bit more believable there, but it's just, man, holy crap. You defeated them. And then there's 20 years of stories about you having to keep defeating them. Yeah. They're really good at hiding. And okay, fine. Like I can buy it because you need enemies for your story. But uh, what this shows is after and it's, you get this one scene in the anime where you have uh, Delaz talking Gato down from going out again to keep fighting at a Bawaku. And after that, you get this look of, you know, the Delaz fleet like goes to side three where Zeon had forces massed and ready because they thought there was going to be another like final battle to do. And you have all these generals talking about how they're going to go, you know, put their chips on the table with Maharaja Khan and go over to Axis. And it just made so many things like fall into place in, in my head. I was like, thank goodness something finally just addressed this and told me why the hell yeah. there are so many of these guys left with so many weapons. Yeah. So let's, let's actually get back to that. So we we're jumping around a little bit and like we've, covered pretty much everything we're, we want to talk about. Um, one of the things like unit, they, they, they explained to me a little bit more about the unit one and unit two, um, which in the anime and they don't really address at all. So in the, the manga unit two was developed by X Xeon uh, forces that were, um, or X Xeon engineers for Anaheim. Xeonic and, engineers. Yep. Xeonic. And then unit one was primarily designed by Nina, um, which kind of gives some well, information about how well, like they have some I, of the, I would, I would disagree with you there. They had a separate, she was on, she was on a separate team with like all like that whole squad of, of like female engineers that pop out. Mm-hmm. So I would say like it, it appeared that it was uh, her in that team because she made a comment about it, how it was her Gundam. And she's like, Oh, it's your Gundam now. Yeah, but they they very specifically said Unit Two was developed by the Xeon engineers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not to argue that point. I was just arguing that I don't think she like solo designed. No, no, I don't think she solo designed it either. I mean, as much as no one person designed Unit Two, but that's it. Kind of explains how Xeon, you know, Gato and all those people had all the information on Unit Two that they did have, because they had those spies that helped develop it. Um, in addition to Blau Angel or Orville or whatever you want to call them, right? Yep, right. Um, we also get a little introduction to Commander Seema uh, and her Gelgoog. Um, uh, they they jump around a little bit in this series, and and it's hard to tell. Like, it's like they introduce um, Nina, and then they jump around. And they're back at you know a handful of other s- scenes, and I think like the 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 story year wise is kind of like not consistent here. Like I don't think it's like one consistent timeline. Um, but uh, so like for example, we see that Albion is is being forced to retreat from a Zeon attack um, while they're because they don't have any mobile suits at this point. So this is per, basically when the Albion's going to go pick up the, uh, the unit one and unit two from um, Von Braun. Um, but yeah, these other ships stay and they get wiped out. 
Um, and those Xeon forces win. And presumably this is in like 0082, right? Yeah, this is the New Year's Eve 0082. It's yeah. The same, it's meant to be the same time period that you see Keith and co at the yeah. Academy and celebrating, but not. Yeah. They graduate and they go off to Australia. Um, and then we see Gato and his unit. They're over in side five, which is jacked up. Um, and he takes on the fourth team, the immortal unit. Um, and he doesn't beat them, but they don't, they retreat essentially. Nobody so, wins. Yeah. So we have a show following the eighth MS team. And then we have the fourth MS team here. Where, where are the rest of them? Yeah, here, there and everywhere. Well, there's a, there's another team in the eighth. Was it the fifth team or the sixth? But remember the seventh. But remember, those are the mobile suit teams within whatever larger like battalion. Or uh, yeah. I'm getting the terminology wrong, but like they're the eighth mobile suit team of that, uh, like the Southeast Asian fleet, if you will. A fleet isn't the right term, but ah, you're right. You've ruined my. Sorry. Information <laughs> of this wider world. Yeah. Um, but right after this, we actually get uh, introduced to De- the Delaz fleet, um, who's hanging out in Sector 5. We get to see the MS-21C, the Drac. Uh, I was actually talking to Scotty about how this is a cool-looking mobile suit, but it's also retarded at the same time. So It is piecemeal. It's like a Zaku tank, but in space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it has no legs. It's just got these like long fenders or something. It's got that the fins, on. yeah, because it's meant for like linear. I think they said linear top speed or linear. It goes straight speed. really fast. Yeah. Um, it's a drag car. So uh, we first we, or last. <laughs> we find out that Gatto has learned about Unit Two and that it has nukes, and he's very mad. And uh, I know we've talked about this a, a lot of times, but I one of the things that really bugs me about the Federation is how many times they just ignore the Antarctic treaty. Um, and God. no one, no one follows it. Like it's, it's, it's literally no one follows it. Yeah. And, and this how guy, dare that's, you say that about captain Zeon, he keeps the Antarctic treaty close to his heart at all times. Yeah, and and Gato, a guy who's fighting and blowing up people in, in space is obviously following the Antarctic Treaty, which says, yes, go ahead and kill civilians and, and other military people in space because that's okay. But don't have tactical nukes. Yeah, and also, didn't it, like, dissolve Xeon, kind of? It turned and, them into a republic, I think. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's a very loose, loose, like, if, moral if, framework to follow. <laughs> it, it seems like if we follow, like, the, the unicorn... Um, model. It basically says like in UC 100, the Republic of Xeon will turn in back to the Federation, right? Something along yeah, those lines. So after, after the one year war, Xeon is allowed to uh, maintain its status as an independent Republic contingent on rejoining the Federation in UC 100. Yep. So there, but, uh, but only the Federation violates the Antarctic Treaty. Yeah, but, but that Zeon is a like banana republic, if you will, at that yeah. point. Yeah. 
they're independent, but they're not. Um, so this is where we kind of, we, we were talking about earlier, we get to see uh, Maharaja Karn's fleet. Um, there's a lot of dialogue, dialogue between the different uh, Xeon uh, fleets out there. So the main two are Maharaja Karn and the Dalaz fleet. Um, Karn's fleet says, hey, we're going to Axis and Gato's like, nah, we're not doing that. We're going to stay out here in side three. Um, but we also get a little bit more introduction to uh, Sima at this point um, because she's kind of like pissed off that uh, she was tricked into uh, killing everybody on side three with the poison gas. So she was part of that unit that gassed the entire colony. Yeah, they told um, her they told her it was like sleeping gas and it was yeah. actually the poison gas. And she apparently was there and watched the people like dying on the river or something like that. It's the one that they turn into the colony laser. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she's pissed about that and I I didn't completely narratively understand how he did it, but um uh, Delaz got her on his side, <laughs> or at least like somewhat allied. They're not like so he thinks. Yeah. Um, and then we see uh, we see Lu- Lucette being heading out, heading off to the Levian Rose. Um. Yeah, that's all of all Volume One. Um, and then really before the, the anime starts, we kind of see, uh, the manga just in general makes Cole look like a more competent pilot and a more competent human being. Um, yeah, he seems way more, um, uh, not experienced, but like, like he knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so we the anime really starts off after that initial scene um, in about a coup with uh, Gato and his people. They are on Earth, and we we don't get context initially, but um, uh, we see Ko and uh, Keith and a handful of other people from his unit fighting in um, Australia, essentially. They're fighting with a handful of different types of units. So they've got the Zakus, they've got modified GMs, and really what they're doing at this point, they're they're test pilots, and they have um, a new backpack that is being strapped to a GM, and they're t- testing the battle capabilities of it. Um, so and we get GM for GM enthusiasts, and we get really cool um, late '80s, early '90s music with this thing, and uh, it's the best. I did. Oh. I did actually message the. Uh message you guys about that how 80s the music felt oh man yeah and you even have like the way that they draw ko at the start with that little helmet he looks a little bit like kanada from akira oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, he got that kind of like dopey like face in the round helmet anyway yeah so we get basically introduced to ko keith Lieutenant Burning and Lieutenant Allen at this point. Um, and then we also get shown that there is a new Pegasus class ship that's flying over Sydney and Australia. 
Um, it is the Albion, which we were introduced into the manga. We know that it has uh, Unit 1 and Unit 2. Um, and we see that Gato is on Earth, and they announce basically they're going to begin Operation Stardust, which we don't know what it is at this point. Um, yeah, I so hear that when uh, Ko and Keith see the GPO-1 and GPO-2 for the first time in the hangar, uh, what we learn here is that Keith likes girls and Ko likes Gundams. Yeah, pretty much. Um, what do you think about the difference between the the, the model the uh, I don't know, I call them models, but what do you think the what do you think about the difference between how they're drawn in the anime versus the manga? Well, the GPO one looks different at first because of a story reason in the manga. Yes, I mean, but that's I I actually did not like the initial drawing of of the GPO one. So it, basically, the GPO one. They they make some comments that it's it's basically a modified GM unit, yeah. um, and it looks ugly. There's a point where it later it goes into combat that it actually looks like a lot better drawn, um, but like the initial drawing of it just looks so ugly to me. Well, so they have it in Chobum armor, right? So that is your like your NT one. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. They don't really mention the Chobim armor on the GPO-1 in the anime, do they? No, it doesn't have it. It doesn't have it in the show. But it might be past that point, I guess. Well, actually, no, because it, was, it wasn't on there when he took... when he. No, it, it, they never have that armor on it in the yeah. anime. It's, it's used for a couple of things in the manga. One is the dramatic reveal of, oh, it's actually like a real Gundam, <laughs> if you didn't know with it being on the cover of volume one anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then it's also be, like, that's how, so Ko says like, you really shouldn't, you don't need all this armor. It's going to impact the mobility too much. And Nina's like, well, math. And <laughs> he's like, well, we'll see. And then he goes and fights in it. And he's like, see armor sucked. And she's like, okay, we're going to purge it. Get out the way. And, and they, and then they do. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Um it actually so like if if you if you look at it in chapter seven of the manga, when it actually starts fighting with the armor on, it actually looks really cool before it like drops the armor and turns into like the actual unit one. Um but like when it's just sitting there by itself, it, I, I didn't like the look of it. But um probably just an art art style thing. Um so yeah. We, we we learned that the Albion has landed at Ko's base because they need a test pilot for Unit 1 and Unit 2. Um, we all know who that's going to be at the end of the day. It's going to be our, our our main character. Um, they kind of teased it for a little bit. What's that? They kind of teased it for a little bit like they brought in new 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 uh, new pilots they brought it they like made it seem like he wasn't going to he gets locked up. Like, there's all kinds there's all kinds of like will he won't we. Yeah. I mean, I agree. We all knew it was going to happen. We know who it is. We know who it is. Um, yeah, so uh, Keith is trying to get some Nina Purpleton. He doesn't He doesn't get Nina Purpleton. He gets some, uh, what's her name? Giant Amazon chick. Mora, uh, Mora I think. Mora. Mora of Tarth. <laughs> yeah, he gets some Mora of Tarth. Um, and then we also see Gato sneaking on to the base in a 
Federation uniform, which he's complaining about because it's not the correct yeah. rank. He's yeah, he's upset <laughs> that his disguise uniform isn't the correct rank. Like, okay, great. Bitch, can you get this shit right? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the funny part here is that because his rank, the rank on that is still higher than uh, Co and Keith's. That like they go by Gato in the hangar and they salute him. Yeah, yeah. They're new to the base, right? They're like, oh, it must be some officer. Okay. Yeah. Um and in in the uh anime they kind of Nina says she doesn't want people who have only piloted old suits testing the new Gundam. Um in the manga she has a little bit different explanation that makes more sense. It's basically she wants a good pilot to do it. She wants she wants a pilot that can bring out the full potential. Right. She says she has concerns about people who have only been trained on old stuff because they're afraid that they can't pull out the full potential. Yeah, and that's why I say, but, like, in, in the manga, they kind of make her make more sense. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we get a little scene in the in the manga where they're going somewhere and they're pulling out nukes and then um, where it syncs up. The, Nina loans the Gundam with nukes. Um, because that's a great idea. Why, why would you not want to load a, gun, a Gundam? You're just going to play around and test with a tactical nuke. Um, did they did they say why it had a tactical nuke? I, I mean, like I know they needed they wanted the capability, but why did they actually put it on there? Um, because the Titans are trying to make something happen, or what will become the Titans, and this is probably part of their screwing around was. Uh, like Bascom is trying to load the gun, and this is this is part of it. Uh, that this is like this is the wider one of the things we haven't talked about at all, and maybe it's more appropriate for later anyway. But you know, the the reason this midquel happens is, and I, and the reason I even say that is it's meant to bridge the gap between Mobile Suit Gundam and Zeta. Because when Zeta came out, there was nothing in between them. And so that is a very jarring change. Now, granted, they put an eight-year time skip. uh, But this was a way to go back and explain how a group like the Titans was able to come to power. And Mm -hmm. so they're, you know, they may explain it in a different way at some point that I've forgotten. But really, I think the, the answer that always worked for me here is that there are forces within the Federation just trying to load up the gun to make a problem so that they can try to consolidate power. Yeah. But as far as like the manga or the anime goes up till this point, they have no justification for it. It's basically like, Hey, we're going to test this capability. So let's load up a live nuke with this thing. Yeah. Like synapse gives the base commander the paperwork. He's like, well, I have these papers. It says I can take some nukes. And he's like, Oh, well, okay. Sweet. (laughs) And, and let's talk about, so it, it was jarring for me because in in the anime, in the Japanese dub, it's it's Cinepus. And I guess that the English translation of that's Synapse, which just doesn't sound the same to me. But It doesn't really sound the same, but it does sound better because Cinepus sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, it does. It actually does. Now, the dub does have its own problems. Uh, we talked in the chat about Jabrow. 
Oh, Jack Brown. Jack Brown. Uh, the worst part is they actually spelled it out on screen as Jack oh, Brown. Yeah, yeah. And then at the the very start, when you have the quick scene with Delaz and Gato, Gato is like, and I'm like, oh, man. Nothing else ever pronounced it like that, ever. <laughs> it's like the Gundam. Mm. Yeah, it's like the new era of Gundam. <laughs> I mean, the, the dub isn't terribly bad, but it's another one of those dubs that you can tell they recorded sequentially and didn't do much ADR work after the fact. They just spit it out. And these Bandai Entertainment dubs from uh, around the turn of the century, you know, this was a Toonami dub, uh, I think. It might have been on tape first. Uh, but anyway, I'm not going to look it up. But uh, you like, they're not super consistent with their pronunciations of names and things like that. Where's British bright when you need them? Well, it seems like, it seems like exactly like you said, it seems like every time they did a new show, they just completely scrapped like, like literally no one who was involved with the last one was even consulted. They didn't watch the last one. What's this fancy new Gundam anime? We're going to, we're going to film it and we're just going to read those Japanese words. Uh, Captain Buraito. <laughs> Buraito. <laughs> Let's change that to burrito. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, Gato nonchalantly walks up to the Gundams, and uh, of course, he knows. Bas- we- we've talked before. Um, we have our Blau Angel, which has told him which which Gundam to take. Um, he takes Unit Two with the nuke. Um, and uh, he, he, he launches, and everybody's like, no, this isn't cool. Uh, luckily, Ko is still in the hangar and jumps into Unit 1, but he's delayed a little bit because it's still getting its ammo loaded up. Um, then we see Cole facing off with um, the, the Gundam Unit 2, which is the end of... Episode one, yep. you get that hot fire outro theme, that like Michael Jackson soft rock vibe. So one of the things I actually liked, um, and this kind of jumps into to episode two, but not really because it's more of the of a manga thing. Do you notice Unit Two's has like, I don't know, almost like a uh, Kshatriya wings in the ma- in the manga. It's got those big old binders. Yeah. It doesn't have that in anime, does it? Um, it doesn't have so the way that the ends of them like point up when they're out, like the very end it has this rotational part, the way it's drawn in the manga. And I don't remember that in the show, at least on the earth scenes. It might not be until space that he uses that if at all. Yeah, I, I just like when when he took out the the unit two and they started fighting and everything with it. I thought I thought the unit two looked pretty pretty badass. They also have like a little explanation on the shield. Um, apparently, in in the manga, they explain that he has to have the shield to shoot off the nukes for some reason. Balance, balance, balance makes sense. Um, and and they do actually talk a little bit um, at certain points about why they're making two Gundams at the same time. So like this actually goes back to um, thoroughbred a little bit where they're talking about the, the, the 
the yin and yang of the Gundam. So you have one Gundam that's going to have something like the hyper mega particle beam cannon, and then another Gundam that's going to have um, like a Gatling gun be more of a high speed prototype. And and that's what they've basically built with unit one and unit two. So unit one is kind of like your strike Gundam that's built to go out there and like attack unit two is meant to be a stationary drop a nuke. Um, and unit two kind of has the capabilities to, deal with the radiation and go out and like attack things in, in that capability. So that's, that's kind of the, their justification of why they have these two units. You know, that's uh the, the shield is also um, for cooling. It's called a radiator shield. That's so, right. And that uh, actually shows that happens. Yeah. In this uh, episode. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned the strike and it, I was actually just started to think about the strike Gundam. And then I was also thinking like, at the end of Seed, the Strike and the Providence fight, and the Providence is loosely inspired design-wise by the GPO two. So it's like, oh, ha. it's almost like a, almost a parallel. Not, not it doesn't count, but in my <laughs> head, it did for a second. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So now they're fighting, and yeah. Coach sucks at it. Yeah. So they they fight, and um. Yeah, Cole and in the manga or in the anime, he's he's not a very good pilot initially. Like he he holds his own, but he's not very good. Um, well, I think uh, uh, Gato says I don't know if he I know he says it in the, in the manga. I don't know if he says it in the anime. Anime that he's he's like, um, what does he say? He's like he's got the instincts, but he doesn't have the skills or something like that. Yeah, he and he just basically just calls him an amateur he's like you're not worthy of fighting me uh one one thing i forgot to mention right at the start of episode two it's only with audio i think but ko has his first new type flash just as gato attacks and so he's like ready to like jump and avoid it oh i didn't notice that um yeah so despite the fact that that Ko is supposed to be in the more mobile version of the, the Gundam. Gato is just basically smacking him around. Um, and then during this whole thing, um, Zeon launches their distraction attack to allow Gato to get out of there. So they have like um, a mo- like an artillery mobile suit. It's like a, I don't know. It's, it's almost like Zeon's version of a gun tank in a way. So Zamel. Zamel. Yep. It was one of the late, entries i think it's the ms16 um this is so this is something that was would have been developed during the one-year war but seeing limited uh deployment if any at all and it's not even really sure how many units even got made um but yeah it is a zomel yeah um and then something cool kind of freaks out after the missile barrage he's you know obviously this is his first real battle um, so it's a little bit jarring for him. Um, and then they decide to uh, pursue. So Gato and his guys get away and they have to make the decision to pursue. Uh, and I think at this time, this point, this is where uh, Nina's like, oh, yeah, you, you can take that armor off. It's really heavy. <laughs> and they, they pop off the armor and we get like the real GPO one in the manga. Yeah, he started, um, he started chatting about how um, it was slower than a GM or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is this is one of those scenes where we kind of get a little bit of of different perspectives narratively in the manga. 
Um, in the manga, we're going to get a whole section of where this airborne unit attacks Gato's unit. Um, and in the anime, we, we get the kind of the after effects of that battle. They kind of say like, this unit's going to attack them. And, you know, uh, burning's like, ah, you need to be careful. And then they kind of like happen upon like the wreckage of that unit. Um, and we see, we actually get to see the RGM 79 V's, the seekers, which are actually a pretty cool looking unit. I think, um, I don't know. Did they have they made unit? Have they made uh, gunplas of of those? Probably. Yeah, I would assume so. Almost every GM variant. It's at least a P Bandai kit. It has to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to build though. So uh, the rest of the the this is pretty similar from the anime. They basically they fight in the fog. Um. And it's a pretty cool battle. Um, you get to see a lot of fog of war. Um, nobody, Cole is not very competent in this battle, but he does his best. They find out that, you know, um, that it's actually Gato and the Nightmare of Solomon, and everybody's kind of like, holy fuck, what's going on? This is not good. Well, um, there's nothing you could have done anyway. One of, the, one of the big differences here, though, is that when like they are initially – they kind of making their charge to, um, you know, to, to go and find unit two, there's a point where um, the, the plan is that Co is going to charge while Alan fires, but a Dom Troppen sneaks up on them and Alan dies at this point. He's yeah. shot point blank with yeah. the Dom's big old bazooka thing. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't, he's not dead in the manga. Point. But someone else dies in the manga, and I forget the guy's name. Yeah, it's the the guy that black he hair. Also, yeah, he also dies in the anime. Yeah, right. um, he but he gets kind of unceremoniously taken out right at the start of the battle um, at Torrington. Uh, whereas, it, yeah, and then Alan it gets killed later. Uh, Alan does not die here uh, in the manga like he does uh, in the anime. So that's um that's a, the kind of the big thing. And then uh, you also have that the whole thing with the Komusai that's come down to pick up unit two. So this is why the whole fog battle even happens. Yeah. They send the Komusai down. It actually it kind of picks up unit two and starts to take off. But Ko just shoots the cockpit as it's taking off, like starting to get airborne. And yeah. So then he's got to um, like, basically what Gato's doing is he's got it set up that he can escape to a submarine. Yeah. And there's like a, an interesting scene in the anime that doesn't happen in the manga where Lieutenant Burning's basically like teaching Ko like tactics. He's like, where do you think he's going to go? Why do you think he's going to go there? Yeah. And you see him kind of like go through that, like, Oh crap. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so what they do in the show though, instead is remember that as they're coming up on um, that foggy area, he's asking Ko and Keith, about like the positioning and like where, ha- like how they should approach where they think he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they go through all of that stuff. And he, so it's a different thing, but he's still like, you still see burning, like trying to teach them stuff yeah. as they're out there in combat. Burning's a good guy. I like him. Another weird name. His first name is South. <laughs> um, 
But we see, so oh, Keith burning. gets <laughs> Keith gets his head cut off, but he still manages to take out a Goog. Um, and uh, Ko and Gato fight again. Um, and Nina and Mora have kind of, they're like watching from a cliff somewhere far away, but they kind of um, over the comms. Well, I guess this is open comms because Gato and Ko are like talking to each other. Um, they're having one of those uh, infamous Gundam battle of morals type conversations. Um, and Nina's like, oh, if stab the shield. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to get away. So he stabs the shield. Um, and Ko is sad that he he lost in this in the in the anime. He's like, oh, he's all, oh. He's all heard about it. Yeah, um, it's the nightmare of Solomon. And then, so at the end of volume three in the manga, we see um, two things that don't actually happen in the in the anime that I, that are of note. Um, we see Sima agreeing to join the Delaz fleet in exchange for a new type of mobile suit. And then we get a uh, a nice little cameo from anybody? Anybody? Alice Miller. Yes. Yeah. We get to see Miller from Miller's unit. So the only other content that she's shown up in that I'm aware of up to this point is um, ugh, um, double O or the zero eight MS team compilation movie. Miller's and, report. Yeah, Miller's report. Um, and so when I saw her sh- pop up in this, I was like, wait, is that her? She's here. Um, but she yeah. actually plays a, a major role in this manga moving forward. Yeah. I didn't really get that excited about her. It, it, I got excited just cause I was like, wait, what the hell? Like, this is like a random cameo. And then as you read more, it's like, whoa, <laughs> she is, you know, part of this story. And this is kind of where they start like you know, throwing those, like we were talking about earlier, they, they take that 20 years worth of content that we've had. Um, and they start kind of like trying to narratively wrap this stuff together and make it a little bit more coherent. Yeah. I, one of the things I like about the Gundam universe is that there are tons and tons of different characters and it makes it feel big, but I have always been disappointed that they don't leverage as many of these developed characters in later stories as a lot of other franchises do. So I'm kind of glad to see them doing that a little bit more here by putting Miller in there. Um, again, I, I like having the new characters and, and all of that. And I think it gives uh, the franchise part of its identity, but I also appreciate getting the small doses of recurrence. Yeah. And, and, and it was neat because Miller even though she played a central role in that recap episode for, or recap movie, um, she didn't really have much of anything other than basically, you know, making the, the, the interview of um, everybody happen. You know, she didn't really have much of a personality other than some chick that was running around smoking a cigarette and, you know, she pulled the gun on people and all that stuff. So yeah, and Shiro was like, no, nah, I'm too cute for you. <laughs> oh, my friends. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about her role uh, more, especially in the next episode uh, as we move forward. But um, I, I thought it was cool that she showed up. All right. So that's, I think that's it for, for episode one and two. We're done. This is like the, they've introduced everybody. We've had the introduction of 
Gato, he gets the GPO2 and, and he has escaped. Um, and we'll move forward with next episode with uh, episode three and four and uh, through Rebellion Volume 5. Um, what do you guys think so far? I like it so far. Um, the show's the show I always thought was all right. Um, it's not bad. Not highlight of the UC or anything like that, but it's not bad. Uh, the manga's pretty good, though. I like it. This is my first time reading through it, so. Yeah, I'm very impressed with the manga. Uh, the show has always been Gundam junk food. It is wonderful to look at, mm-hmm. but I mean, plot-wise, just Top Gun. <laughs> there, there is one scene uh, talking about the like fun to look at. There's one scene. I think it's in episode three or four, where one of the mobile suits is about to take off, and its thrusters move. And for some reason, I, that just struck me as like really cool because like in the previous shows, everything has kind of been a little bit more like static, and this kind of like starts to me being like, hey, these mobile suits are not like just one chunk of metal. Right. It, well, and, and keep in mind as well, this is right, like the production of this is coming out and while well, the production is happening just before that asset bubble bursts in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. So they're flinging money around. Like by early 90s standards, this is as good as animation got. Right. Um, and yeah, until the advent of high definition, like if you watched a Gundam show on Toonami, none of them looked as good as this on your old standard deaf TV watching cable. Like this looked like it was just on another level. Um, and it still looks really, really fantastic. Um, it, it's, it's too bad. They can't just fling infinite imaginary money around every Gundam production like this. <laughs> yeah it's it's really good and like like we've said a handful of times the uh the manga is a good modern interpretation of it i think and um it's easier to follow yeah and i think it makes some good narrative choices as it as it goes through there it kind of makes the it makes the characters especially nina who i what watching from the beginning I hated her almost as much as I hated um, the the brat from Double uh, O Eighty, Bernie. Not is it Bernie? No, Bernie's the uh, Bernie's the Xeon pilot. Alan, Whatever. huh? Alan. Alan. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I hated Nina as almost as almost as much as I hated Al, but um, the manga redeems her and makes her make a little more sense. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts before we wrap this one up? No, I'm good. All right. Thanks for te- che- uh, thanks for turning in. Check us out on Twitter at real uh, New Type Flash Pod. Check us out on Reddit. Um, we post with these episodes. Feel free to give us any feedback, and we will see you in two weeks for episodes three and four and the corresponding uh, manga volumes. Thanks, guys. <laughs>